0: Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Adams. As of this glorious Monday morning, the Philadelphia Flyers are charging their fans 35 bucks to beat up a television with a hockey stick, Nick Saban tries to screen rap poison from the media room, and 70% of UNC football players have undiagnosed cases of ADOP, or what is more commonly known as attention deficit, oh pretty. But we begin with the three most important things that rocked our world and changed our perspective over the past seven days, or more specifically, the best of last week. First, the NBA tip-off is only days away, and fans of the game are preparing for some big changes that will rock the hardwood. And when I say big, I'm not talking about the time James Cameron got away with full-blown nudity in the PG-13 rated Titanic. I mean more like monumental, jaw-dropping, things that will rock your world faster than the realization that Bruce Willis is actually dead in the sixth sense. Which, by the way, if any of you are mad that I spoiled the ending to M. Night Shyamalan's crowning achievement, that's not my problem. Now you may say, what are these shocking developments? Could it be that the Los Angeles Lakers finally have a few guys on their roster who can hit shots from the outside? Or could it be how their counterparts, the Clippers, may have one of the most ferocious defensive lineups in the league? Am I talking about how the Golden State Warriors have now been reduced to the level of underdog? Of course not. None of that matters. The NBA coverage does not concern itself with such objective discussions and stories. They focus on meaningless and pathetic clickbait topics such as Lonzo Ball shooting form or Ben Simmons making a three-pointer in exhibition game. By the way, have you seen the video of James Harden shooting a one-legged three-pointer from the baseline? Man, it is going to change the game. The NBA Twitterverse follows the same rules that are applicable to the game show Whose Line Is It Anyway? The place where everything is made up and the points don't matter. Literally, outside of the social media civil war, which we're about to get to in a few minutes, this has been the relevancy of the topics being discussed back and forth for the past few weeks. Oh my gosh, watch this leaked iPhone footage of Lonzo Ball working on three-pointers with his new shooting form. Who cares if he's not shooting across his body like a windmill gag reflex? He still winds up his shot from his ankles, and his follow-through looks more like a pelvic thrust than it does a proper release. So why should I care? Oh man, did you see Ben Simmons make a three-point shot in an actual game? You can pretty much engrave his name on the MVP slash Rookie of the Year trophy before the season begins. Yeah, I saw it, but the Sixers were up 34 points on the Guangzhou Long Lions, and even his own defender told him to shoot it. Also, not one of his other five-made shots were outside the restricted area, so him making the shot is irrelevant. Sure, the sun actually shines in Philadelphia once every three months, but it's not an apocalyptic reckoning when it does happen. I don't show you highlights of my daughter dunking on the play-school basketball hoop in my backyard and anoint her the chosen one, so why should I get hyped that Ben Simmons banked in a fluke 25-footer? But that's how people react in modern coverage. They get excited and overworked about pointless details of hype when there are much larger and much more relevant topics to discuss. Sure, Lonzo Ball has a different shooting form, but that doesn't make him any less fragile than he was the past two seasons, where ankle sprains knocked him out of play for four months. Sure, Ben Simmons made 1-3 in the preseason, but how will that change the fact that he can't regularly make a jump shot outside of the four-foot radius? Yes, James Harden has a fancy new move, but I want to see how he'll react when he realizes that, hey, there's a guy sharing my backcourt who's as big of a ball hog as me. Getting hyped about these trendy tangents do not matter. What will matter is when the reality actually tips off in 10 days. Second, one of the most shocking upsets happened on Saturday afternoon as the Georgia Teacup Poodles lost in double overtime to the unranked South Carolina Fighting Gamecocks, a team that somehow hasn't got the memo that their mascot can be interpreted to have an affiliation with the adult film industry. The Georgia loss was bad. So bad that if Jabba the Hutt and Sloth from the Goonies had a baby, it wouldn't be as ugly as the stain that now taints the Georgia Bulldogs' record. There are plenty of reasons justifying why this loss was so atrocious. Whether it's the fact that it was at home between the hedges in front of 100,000 screaming fans in red, or that it was to South Carolina's third-string quarterback who openly admitted after the game that he was more focused on getting Tinder matches in Athens this weekend rather than reading How to Beat a Safety Blitz. You can point to the fact that Georgia's kicker, an All-American stud who could actually pass as a chemistry tutor getting stuffed in lockers in eighth grade, missed a routine field goal, something he always makes. Or you can point to the fact that Georgia's QB, Jake Fromm, a man who spends more time sniffing deer scat than he does reading 3-4 defenses, had an atrocious 34.0 QB rating and had two awful interceptions leading to points for South Carolina. Pick whatever reason you want, but let's just call it what it is. Georgia is overrated. Plain and simple, they are a better-than-average team who somehow slides under the radar of accountability because of the love affair sports media has with the SEC. And it's getting old, seeing all of the hype surrounding Georgia to only watch them repeatedly have embarrassing losses that always get overlooked. Whether it's Saturday's loss to South Carolina, last season's 20-point blowout to LSU, a 33-point road beatdown to Auburn in 2017, the list goes on and on about Georgia coming across like a lukewarm meat-lover's pizza from Papa John's, always under-delivering. My biggest question is, aside from giving us the first six seasons of the Walking Dead franchise and the creation of Cabbage Patch Dolls, what has Georgia done in the last 30 years? What is their marquee statement win that gives them the right of passage to be a preseason top five team every single year for the past decade? Sure, they beat Baker Mayfield in the 2017 college football semifinal, but they went on to blow a double-digit lead to a backup quarterback in the championship. Of course they made it to the SEC title game last year, only to again get beat by a backup QB in the fourth quarter. Think about it. Georgia's best moments in the last 30 years are almost wins, that slip through their fingers. Just because the SEC commissioner has sold his soul to Satan in return for extensive media coverage does not mean that the rest of the world needs to ignore reason and logic and bow down to a squad that lives under the mantra of, man, we were this close to winning. The craziest thing about this weekend is that even though Georgia lost to a team that would more than likely have a tough time defending Airbud, the Golden Receiver, They are still ranked in the top 10, which is absurd. The media will continue to give them a free pass for who knows why, which has to be infuriating for the rest of the country. When teams like Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson get more free passes than OJ gets body bags, it really does make it more likely that college football is being run by a satanic demon wearing the disguise of Paul Feinbaum rather than by coherent journalists objectively looking at the facts. And finally, the greatest thing that never was in Major League Baseball came to a screeching halt on Wednesday night, as the Los Angeles Dodgers lost the NL Divisional round of the Washington Nationals 7-3 in extra innings, tallying their seventh straight trip to the postseason without a World Series ring. The Dodgers are similar to Georgia football in the sense that the last time they sniffed greatness, East Germany was still an actual country, Roger Rabbit was an escaped convict turned murder suspect, and Tasty Bake Ovens were being handed out as Christmas presents. It has been that long since the Dodgers were able to show off their World Series rings, and at this point, nobody has any idea if they'll get to hoist the Commissioner's Trophy in the next 30 years. Everyone covering the Dodgers plays the blame game once the champagne bottles are empty in the visitors' locker room, and plenty of their accusations are completely justified. Why would you have Clayton Kershaw come out of the bullpen in a role he has never played, nor done well in when put in that situation? Why does Corey Seager happen to go 3-for-20 with 8 strikeouts and become a black hole in the batter's box? Why did the Dodgers request uniform trades with the 1990s Buffalo Bills and ask Jim Kelly to come out of the bullpen? There really isn't one standalone reason the Dodgers keep coming up short every year, when in reality, that's the larger issue itself. The Dodgers, for one reason or another, cannot come through in the clutch and have become the token team accepting the participation trophy at the end of the season. The Dodgers are evolving to the lovable losers. They are the Chip Kelly Oregon Ducks of the 2000s, the Miami Dolphins of the 1980s, the Lloyd Christmas and Harry Dunns of Dumb and Dumber. They are so close to sniffing greatness but keep coming up short every single season. And I can totally understand the frustration of a team who has had to eke its way through the National League for the past decade. But that seems to be the cross the Dodgers will continue to bear for seasons to come. And when that happens... Don't be surprised if Clayton Kershaw's retirement press conference ends with a soundbite of we've got no food, we've got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off! We now shift to what matters this week, which concerns China, or what most people recognize as family heirlooms sitting in a cedar chest that will one day be passed down to them after their grandparents bite the dust. For the record, has anyone routinely used a gravy boat for their meals? I think not. For those who haven't been paying attention to the international media Cold War on Twitter, Here's a quick synopsis of what has happened over the past seven days. Last Friday night, Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey was up late, feeling a little dangerous, and tweeted something along the lines of, Hey China, be nice to people and stuff. And how come I can't watch Winnie the Pooh when I have layovers in Shanghai? To which China said, How dare you tweet such offensive things such as advocating for human rights? You know exactly why Winnie the Pooh is outlawed here. It's because the mascot for Panda Express is irate that he picked jars of honey instead of orange chicken for his daily lunch routine. So step off. He might as well become the spokesperson for P.F. Chang's with that disgusting behavior. To which Maury replied, stay woke. Nice move, Maury. Nice move. Yes, that may be a slightly exaggerated version of the social media war existing in the real world, but the bottom line is this. Daryl Morey spoke his mind about an issue. China doesn't like it. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver is a sock puppet being played by billionaires on both sides of the fence. And China has just witnessed the selfie that Ellen DeGeneres took at the Oscars in 2014. When push comes to shove and NBA GM tweeted his political opinion, people got offended and upset about the political backlash, and China threatened to take away Instagram posts on the Great Wall. Adding more fuel to the fire is the fact that the NBA is currently doing a publicity stunt overseas by taking the Brooklyn Nets and Los Angeles Lakers to play exhibition games in both China and Japan, where everyone is walking around on eggshells. Meanwhile at home, where the internet actually exists, people are livid. They are mad at the NBA for being so wishy-washy. They are mad that reporters are being told what questions they can and cannot ask players after games. They are mad that censorship is being put on full display as fans are being escorted out of games for chanting the words, Free Hong Kong, which last time I checked, that's something that Mr. Rogers says is okay to say. Look, I think Daryl Morey is an analytics fool. For someone to think that two ball hogs can coexist in the same backcourt as asinine. Almost as crazy as thinking that Garth Brooks can actually make the roster of the San Diego Padres, which he once thought. Regardless of his Wunderlich scores, the fact of the matter is that Morey has the freedom to tweet his opinion about the oppression in China. That is his own privilege. If our own president has the right to take credit for saving the big baller brand empire on Twitter, then Daryl Morey has every right to declare that every human being deserves to be treated equally. Which brings us to this. It is now the midpoint of October, which for the past three years means one simple thing the release of the most overrated show in the history of television, Stranger Things. Now I know there are a slew of millennial listeners out there saying, how dare you mock Stranger Things? It is a classic representation of teenage oppression and the coming-of-age journeys kids that are exactly like me face each and every day. Now don't get me wrong, you are 100% completely justified in having that opinion about the show. You have every right of stringing up cheap Christmas lights in your living room, or role-playing the character of Eleven every time you get a bloody nose, or falling down the rabbit hole of fan theories of whether or not Barb is still alive. You all have the freedom of enjoying the show. But at the same time, I have every right to say that Stranger Things is an inflated exaggeration of the 1980s and plays more on nostalgic member berries than it does character development and actual plot lines. Sure, it pokes fun at the alternate dimension... But is it that groundbreaking of a show? There are just sometimes I want to pull the Duffer Brothers aside and say, Look, we get it. The 80s had big hair and neon lights, and we all had Teddy Ruxpin dolls and Trapper Keepers. Now please, give me a relevant story to watch. Should I be banished to pop culture oblivion because I don't live under the delusion that the Demogorgon is the most villainous antagonist in television history? No. Should Daryl Morey be blacklisted from professional sports because he thinks that regardless of your skin color, nationality, gender, or flag flying over your head, every human being should have equal rights? No. People have opinions, and they have the right to express those opinions, regardless of what Winnie the Pooh lookalikes with deep checkbooks have to say. Thank you for listening to Brand Spanking New. We'll definitely be back next week, unlike Notre Dame's playoff chances. Good night, Rudy Rudiger.